here comes a new challenger. From 8-bit to 35mm, game pads to the silver screen, your favorite video game characters are on a quest to become movie icons. Can they unlock the achievement? Let's go for broke! It's time to press X to reload. Hey everybody, welcome to Press X to Reload, our continuing quest to see the transition from pixel to picture perfect film. We're still looking for that perfect one, but we found a few fun ones. I am Nick Moore, here with me is Wayne Brissett. Wayne? Uh, sorry to be here today on this one, but hey. And Marcus. <laughs> Mark Athenis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry too. I had to watch this twice for this, so yeah. <laughs> and uh, today we are discussing Assassin's Creed. So I, I checked out where I could find this thing, and no streaming service had it. I couldn't find it on Cineplex, which is usually where I go to rent things. So I go to rent it off the Google Play Store. Now I don't know if you guys have ever used the Google Play Store through your television, mm. but when you look at a movie to rent it, it pulls up the film, it pulls up an opportunity to see the trailer and information, and it pulls up the Rotten Tomato score right there before you hit rent. <laughs> <laughs> Almost God. like a goddamn warning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you sure you want to spend money on this? 18% yeah. is the, the rating for this. Now, I only bring that up because so far, the only one with a lower score is Double Dragon. And <laughs> given the choice... I know which movie I'd watch again, and it's not Assassin's Creed, but... It's not Double Dragon either. <laughs> <laughs> Here you are desperately looking God. for a third option. Let's start oh with you gosh. guys. What are your What's your initial impression of this movie? I have a great example of what this movie means to me. You ever go over to your friend's house while he's playing a game, except he won't share, so all you really do is watch him play. Okay. So you see cool action and stuff, but you can't get engaged. You can't get involved because, you know, you're not doing it. You're just kind of watching someone else have fun. And then you kind of get bored. So you're on your phone. You have no idea what the story is. You don't know what's going on, but the action looks cool. That's the way I feel about this movie. I don't know who had fun. I don't know if people had fun making it. I don't know if there are people out there who like it, <laughs> but I feel like they were having fun without me. And... Uh, has kind of got to a point where you're just kind of like, why am I here? What am I doing here? Why am I watching this? What is my life? The only thing that's assassinating <laughs> is my joy. So yeah, that's uh, that's how I feel about this movie. Subtle. <laughs> Wayne? Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to have to piggyback off the boredom part of it. I mean, at the end of the day, no video game movie adaptation should be slow and boring. Uh, they should be fast-paced moving films to mimic a video game that you're constantly engaged, you're constantly doing something. And this movie just, <laughs> you're kind of rolling your eyes. And by the time the action comes, you, you almost don't even care about it. It's just, I don't know. It misses the mark so much and spends way too much time in modern day. It's the Animus movie. It's not the Assassin's Creed movie. It's just, it just Absolutely. misses everything. It's too, it's, it's boring. So I'll get into that in a minute because that's mm -hmm. that to me is the crux of the entire thing that could have worked for this film but doesn't. But the plot for those mm -hmm. who haven't seen it and probably won't because I think it's we've already scared you off from it. So 
The plot focuses around a centuries-old struggle between the Knights Templar and the Assassin's Guild. The Knights Templar are trying to eradicate violence through eradicating free will. Because if you have no free will, then you won't hurt anyone. So they're using it as a method of control. The Assassin's Guild believes that free will is important, even if it does lead to violence. And they're fighting over a MacGuffin called the Apple of Eden, which apparently has the genetic code to be able to wipe out free will. That's the the initial struggle, and the movie centers around Michael Fassbender's character, who is a descendant of the Assassins, who's grabbed by the, the knights and strapped into this machine that will send him back into the past memories of one of his ancestors through their DNA that they have stored in a computer. So he spends the entire film half in the, the current day, dealing with the Knights Templar who have taken him in as a hostage, prisoner, science experiment, what have you, and half in the past reliving what his ancestors went through. So the Animus is this gigantic mechanical arm at the top of hmm. the ceiling in this huge cathedral mad scientists area that they've developed that comes down and it latches around the, the person who's going to use it around their waist so that it can lift you up and move you around. It's like a Universal Park theme ride mixed with VR. They hook him up into this thing, yeah. and now he's seeing what happened in the past, and if he's running, it simulates him running so it feels real. And if he's climbing, it raises up to simulate climbing. So on the one hand, as a Hollywood device, it looks really cool and imposing. Yeah. It looks awesome. And the idea of the Animus is fascinating. I like the idea of tapping into the genetic code to see mm -hmm. memories of, you know, your ancestors. I think that's a really cool idea. Absolutely. Now, yeah. I don't want to get on to the whole, you know, the game did it better. Like people who talk about the book did it better versus, sure. you know, the movie did it better. But I kind of have to in this case. In the game, it's very simple. <laughs> you lay down in a bed, they hook you up to some stuff, and you get zapped back to the past through, again, these DNA memories. The whole point in the game is you can't desync from your, your ancestor by deviating from what they would have done. The more closely you can match what they would have done and follow the code that they would have had, the better you can stay in sync with them so you can see where their memories lead to. So, for example, an assassin doesn't kill innocent people. So in the game, if you kill innocent people, you desync. The assassin did not die before the end of the story. So if you die, it desyncs and they tell you, oh, no, you're doing it wrong. So when you have a struggle between the Templar and the Assassin's Guild about eliminating free will, and the whole point of using the machine is, no, 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 conform to what we tell you to do, even if it's your own ancestors, it's a method of taking away free will. That's a really cool thing in the game. In the movie, he doesn't seem to have free will. He's just latched up to this thing like a Universal Parks theme ride, and he's just kind of living vicariously. He doesn't seem to actually make any decisions He's just hooked up to it and living through it. The only time he ever desyncs is if he falls off of a cliff. But even then, the character doesn't die. He fell off the cliff. It just scared him too much. So yeah. while the Animus looks amazing, it completely misses the point of what it's supposed to represent in the story. I cannot believe I'm looking at a situation where a video game developer has better writing than a Hollywood scriptwriter <laughs> when they talk about how video games have trash scripts. These people don't know what the f*** they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, like I've really strongly felt a lot of the time watching this movie that somebody wrote the script because they were told about the game. And so they're like, ooh, Animus, cool, like that name, cool. Uh, Assassins, that's a cool idea. Templars, the Apple. It's almost like they just had a laundry list of 
words from the game that they wanted to throw into the movie and then they wrote a script around it. That's often what I felt with it. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. It's they took the bullet points of the plot points that happened throughout the game, but none of the actual thematic or character arc elements that would actually make it an engaging story are there, which is frustrating. Now, you'd mentioned it's kind of boring. I feel like everyone in this movie was bored making it except Michael Fassbender. <laughs> yeah. He seemed to be the only one having any fun. <laughs> yeah, they they wasted Marion Cotillard, Fassbender, Jeremy Irons. and Jeremy Irons. They, they wasted Jeremy wasted, Irons. Wasted these characters, <laughs> wasted these actors. Like, I just don't understand... Um, I, I genuinely enjoy Fassbender when he's in a movie. He, he yeah. he's always given it his all. So, no matter what the movie is, even if I hate the movie, like a you know Alien, those those Alien remakes are trash. Right. I still like Fassbender in it. I like Fassbender in this movie. I like the actors in this movie. They just they're either getting bad directing or bad writing. I'm not sure which. They're, bad characters. The, the reality is. I could not have cared about a single character in like, I yeah. didn't care. I didn't care what happened to anybody. I had zero emotional investment from a, a movie watching standpoint. It's frustrating. Cause again, when you're watching this, this whole thing play out of, okay, he gets put into the animus and he goes back and he relives things because he doesn't seem to be having any active choice in it. And it's just, okay, well, we'll watch and see where it goes. There's never any tension about whether or not he'll survive a fight. At least in the game, there's the tension yeah. of, if he can't be an assassin effectively or follow the code effectively, he'll desync and he won't be able to get there. And there's at least some indication that time is of the essence to figure it out. This one, I can't even tell what passage of time happens while he's strapping into this thing. Is it a few hours, a few weeks? Yeah, yeah like is it live? Is it? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's hard to tell. The only thing I got out of passage of time was a throwaway scene, which I understand why you would have missed, <laughs> where Jeremy Irons is talking to, like, I guess the head of their order and he comes back and he's like, we've got three days. Sure. Now how long he spends each session, I don't know, but I know the movie takes place over like a three day window. All right. So we'll say it's three days now to try and focus we'll on some, some positive things. I will give it this. The sure. production value is actually really good. All of the costumes look solid. Mm -hmm. They, they all look lived in, which is nice. You don't get that cosplay kind of feel of, well, it looks like today is the first day you ever wore that outfit. Every time they travel back to the past, it does look legitimate. The action, as you mentioned, can be fun, but I want to ask you guys a question. In the past, they have the, the Prince of the Sultan who's being fought over between, again, the Templar and the Assassins. <laughs> the Templar are using the, mm -hmm. the Prince being held hostage as a way to leverage against the Sultan to get this Apple of Eden. And there's this big prolonged chase sequence on horses. Did you notice mm. that they sped that up to a point that didn't make any sense anymore? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A few times. <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> I know it's yeah, a, a, a common trick in Hollywood to film something and then speed it up a little bit so that it looks faster than it was. And I know they do it all right. the time in chase sequences when it involves cars. This is the first time I've s that I can think of that I've seen them try and do it with horses where it's blatantly obvious because all of the fabric on everyone is whipping around way faster than it makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't look normal or natural. I took a moment to see if maybe I'd accidentally started like playing the movie on 1.5 speed. <laughs> I wasn't quite sure if it was my <laughs> fault. 
That's funny. It yeah. was really difficult to watch. I don't understand why they did that because then you have other, you know, action scenes and fight scenes that tend to flow fairly well. Was it just mm-hmm. like a danger mm-hmm. thing of the horses? But either way, very strange. The other thing that I noticed, yeah. skipping ahead way near the end, because of course they've got a whole bunch of assassins inside this prison laboratory, whatever. When you've got the inevitable breakout at the end and all of the assassins are fighting the Templar, did you notice at one point in the fight it actually rewound? Uh, no, no, I didn't, didn't catch that. that. You've got this one wide shot where it's like uh, a couple of the assassins, the the girl assassin, the black guy assassin. There's a few of them there fighting. They're fighting the guards and one of them hits the guard and then the guard falls down and then he turns around to fight someone else. And the exact movement that he makes forward suddenly goes backwards. And so does everyone else. And it's like a like a quarter of a second thing. But for some reason, I swear to God, it went back in time. I rewound it and watched That's it again weird. and wow. showed Corinne. I don't know why they did it. It's really weird. That's funny. Uh, you know, ironically, that scene where the patients or the Creed is standing up to that last fight, that is the most video game moment in this entire movie. The amount of cops that come in <laughs> or police or security that come into this room is a hundred yeah. times more than this building requires. And it felt like, hey, this is a multiplayer. There's three of us in here. We're on wave one. Let's see how many security. <laughs> yeah. guards. Okay, we got that. Here comes wave yeah. two. Oh, my God. It's twice. As- I'm like, how many freaking security guards are in this place? Why did they never do this in the at the beginning? They could have gotten it a long time ago. What uh, One of the things that kept now, it's not so much a problem when they, whenever they jump to the future, but in the past, I, I didn't understand, like, in the past, I'm fairly certain they don't have walkie-talkies or radios or cell phones. So I couldn't really figure out how, regardless of where they're running, there's always enemies cutting them off, jumping ahead yeah, of them, running in front of them. I was like, I was like, how did you know where they were going? They're randomly running across a rooftop. Oh, yeah. The number of times they'd have an enemy waiting for them three floors up. I'm like, how oh, did you waiting. get there? At one point, the guy, chasing right them, in front of them. the guy chasing them who's on a horse – was on the roof on his horse. <laughs> yeah. How is yes. that possible? It just happens over <laughs> and over again. And then the one thing I will say that, again, when you talk about production and, and things like that, they genuinely captured a lot of what the action looked like in the game. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, the, the the flow of movement, the, the, the fighting, the the you know, the parkouring, all that stuff. They really captured it. So if you've ever wondered what it would look like live to be Altair or Ezio, you can find out. You can watch this movie yeah. and be like, oh, cool. A human being can move like that. That's pretty cool. I, and I did I like think one how... of the big things... Yeah. No, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think one of the big things is the parts of the movie I was enjoying the most was in the past. And again, to Wayne's totally. point is they totally missed... They totally missed. That's basically what the games are. You're playing in the past. You've got a small segment, current day, then you're really spending all of your time living in that world. And they just, they missed that so badly. Just so badly. Yeah. And to bounce off that, like, I even still like during the action that it cuts to the animus that they can see that he, how mm-hmm. he's moving in that room based on how that machine's mm-hmm. controlling him through the action. I was like, you know, if you're going to come back to the modern day, that's a cool way to bring us back to remind us that, hey, he's he's actually doing this in a room current day, you know, mm-hmm. but we still should be lost in that past. We should be watching this movie mostly in the past. 
That's oh, what yeah. we're here for. Full dis- full disclosure, I had no subtitles this entire movie. <laughs> and <laughs> you, you, you didn't miss so because uh, it was funny i texted mark about 20 minutes into the film and i said hey just out of curiosity is the spanish supposed to be no subtitles he's like no there's subtitles i'm like okay i'm screwed my <laughs> copy has no subtitles so th- it took us three times today to finish this movie we stopped it like 20 minutes in then we we watched another 20 minutes then we stopped it we want and then we watched the back half of it and it's just that says a lot even double dragon i sat through the entire I'm From telling you, the end, big stop. difference between them, <laughs> and again, I'm not saying that was a good film. I agree, Double Dragon as a film is a badly made film, but you can but tell it, everyone it's got pacing. fun. You can tell everyone was happy to be there. This one, it's the only and it's time moving. I've ever seen, yes, it's the only time I've ever seen Jeremy Irons underact ever in my entire life. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I didn't and think he was, he was capable of underacting, but he's... Yeah, he didn't even want the paycheck. I think he lost a bet, and that's how he was there. That's how he should have looked in Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) (laughs) But even that one, he brought a thousand percent energy to that film, and oh, absolutely, that it's great. (laughs) You'd almost think it should be the other way around. He should have brought that energy in this film. The only person who brings that kind of energy to this is Fassbender. Like for example, the second time they go to throw him into the Animus, and he's kind of losing his Mm. mind because he's starting to see visions of the version of himself in the past. While he's out of the animus, yes. and he starts singing, I'm crazy, and he's just like yeah, thrashing around. Right? Yeah, that's that awesome. part's kind of awesome. Yes. And yeah. again, there's moments in it that were fun. Like I said, his action is actually pretty good. I felt they cut a little too often in some of the climactic fights, like against the, the big dude that chased them on a horse yeah. and through a house. And mm-hmm. I'm starting to sound like Dr. Seuss there, but you get my idea. When yeah. he's fighting yeah. him for the last time with what I think is his girlfriend assassin, they cut too many times back to the animus and it starts to undercut the tension of it a little bit. Yeah. But when you mm-hmm. look at the idea of the past and the present, and I feel mean picking on it that the game does a better job, but the the game, every time you're in the present, it's about trying to find out why they have you there. This film... They spell it out for you really early as an audience going, and they're evil and they want to take away free will. I really think that one of the best things they could have done to help the narrative of this film have as much of the film as possible only be something from Fassbender's point of view that he could see. If he can't see it happening, don't let the audience see it. You would have had him Mm -hmm. having that interplay with the the female scientist and all the stuff that she tells him the audience can buy into about why they're trying to, you know, create peace and solve violence without the negative connotation of free will. Have Jeremy Irons show up for the first time in the film at that halfway mark when he's introduced to Fassbender instead of, you know, having him established as a villain. The game has that play out where all of the time that he's in the present, he's trying to piece together why it's happening. You lose all of that tension. That's supposed to be the the tense part of it, not whether or not he lives through the past. We know he lives. He's playing a recording. Make the current day mm-hmm. tense psychologically. Yeah. It's not hard to fix. <laughs> like, yeah, no, and I think that would help fix some of the wonky character motivations. Like, I don't understand the characters. Like, I, I don't understand even Fassbender's character going from. Yeah, I killed someone, but they were a pimp to, yeah, I'll help you get the apple to, no, now I'm part of the creed and I'm, I just don't get that. Or the doctors flip flop from, I'm here to really just cure violence and I'm not really a Templar to, I will find the apple by the end of it. Like I just, I don't, I, it's just, uh, I, was yeah. I mean, there's a lot of wasted stuff. I, 
everything with his parents that to me that was completely obsolete. Yeah. Especially when you when they show that they actually have his dad who happens to be the only assassin that seems to have let it go in there. <laughs> Everybody right. else, yeah. even the older people are still in shape, but not Mad Eye Moody. He's still big and can <laughs> cast magic or whatever. And it feels like they only kept him there so they could find Michael Fassbender and put him in front of him to kill him and join. Why don't you just work on the father character? Like it's really, <laughs> yeah. really weird. And with yeah. the, the female scientist how can you possibly tell me, with all the conversations that she's had with Jeremy Irons, her father, that she doesn't know they're eradicating free will and that this whole thing is evil? <laughs> yeah, how is she so her. surprised at the end where she's like, you lied to me? Lied about what? I was watching the scene play out between them. He never lies. Did she see never herself lied. as an assassin in that last moment? Yes. Yes. Okay, yes, I, thought, I thought that's what it was. Further confused me. Clearly, no it's sense. one of those, we plan to have sequels. My theory, because I don't think this is ever getting a sequel. No. My theory is that she's an adopted daughter and that she's one of the assassins. That's my theory. We'll never know, but that's my Probably. theory. But what bothers me about that is, like, they break their rules. The animus is showing you the memories of the person they've genetically linked it to and your genetic ancestors. So. After it breaks. Uh, after it breaks, <laughs> it. Uh, it's still showing, I'm assuming, all of his genetic lineage because that's what's in the system. That's how it's supposed to work. She's so his sister. he's related to her. Yeah. It's his sister. That's got to be Like, it. I don't know. Even then, it we'll never sense. find out. It, it's, <laughs> it'll never get a sequel. Aren't you a little short if it to gets be an a assassin? Sequel, <laughs> aren't you a little short to be an assassin? What? <laughs> I'm Eric Kosalard. I'm here to save you. No, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't get it. The whole film, you can see points where they could have done something with it. And it's like they made the wrong choice every time they had a narrative decision to make. It is confounding yeah. as a film. And again, I'm a fan of objectively bad films. I like Weekend at Bernie's 2 more than Weekend at Bernie's 1. I know what my tastes are like. But the movie has to be fun. <laughs> and this movie is joyless. Like this movie does not seem joyless. to be happy that it's there. Which is really frustrating to sit through. One of their big mistakes, I think, is because there's, I mean, there's no doubt Assassin's Creed is a very popular series, but one of the characters mm -hmm. that's the most popular in that series is Ezio, which yeah. doesn't start till mm -hmm. Assassin's Creed 2. They should have started with his story. Yes. The first game was more, it was buggy and everything. It wasn't as good as part two and everybody loves Ezio. That was their cash grab. They should have worked on an Ezio sh uh, movie, trilogy, whatever you want to call it. Well, and it, it's again, it's that piece where what they what they're doing is they're, for whatever reason, they convince themselves we're going to take this laundry list of items that will make it sound like Assassin's Creed, but we're not going to tell yeah. any of the narrative pieces that would bring the fans in, and I just don't get it because in essence, all all you're really watching is. Hey, it's a not Ezio or not Altair story doing exactly what Ezio and Altair did. Go into the animus, learn things, and find out about the apple. That's exactly – it's that exact narrative you're telling with just a random different character. Even it's, the character in the present sense. day is not Desmond. Yeah. <laughs> like they didn't use any yeah. of the existing characters. Yeah. It's very That's weird. That's what I mean. I haven't played anything past the Ezio story in the video games. Do they drop the animus thing or is it still going on with – Black Flag and Origins and the new Van Halla. They drop it by the third one. 
Desmond, I believe, uh, dies a heroic death trying to stop the Knights Templar. And then from that point on, you're only playing ones that are in the past. His story came to an end. Okay. Mm -hmm. I was just curious. I think, yeah, I think it, it, Ezio concludes it like that. The Ezio story chain like concludes. Yeah. I wasn't sure if the other ones kept on with um, the animus stuff. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I think they just, again, they had the actors, they had the production value. They you got a director the, that's really the, unknown. Yeah. Music I don't was even, I didn't even look at un- the memorable. Music, I don't remember anything. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember the music. When uh, when the music opened, I was like, that's not a choice for music. And then I stopped paying attention. <laughs> yeah. Now, more than once, Kring goes, is the eagle important? Because it does these long shots of the eagle flying around. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe the yeah. eagle's part of his yeah. DNA. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it, it's his hint. It's a hint. It's showing you where to go. <laughs> yeah. And it keeps trying to fly away from the screen to a better story, but they keep pulling you in. <laughs> yeah, they, they really show that eagle a lot now that you think about a it. A lot. I think it had as much screen time as Fastbender. <laughs> it did. Because pretty much every time he shows up, the eagle's on screen. Like, again, they took a highlight reel hits of, hey, Assassin's Creed's got an eagle. Hey, we'll have an eagle too. Like, that's literally yeah. what we were doing. It was amazing. Now, a couple of points beat the, beat. that I thought were actually pretty cool the chase sequence that they have between him and his girlfriend assassin, some of the fights they had there, like that first person shot mm. at the front of his arrow when he's trying to line up a shot and one of the guards is yeah. like tussling with yeah. her. That was wall. pretty inventive yeah, and pretty cool. And then, yeah, bouncing it off the wall. I thought that was cool. Like they had individual moments in the fights that were really cool. Even the characters in the movie thought that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like she turns around and is like, Meh. it was like, damn. <laughs> yeah. That does not explain yeah. though why, when she gets grabbed by big evil henchman guy and he's grabbed a hold of evil Pope and it's, you know, the classic standoff of, you know, I'll kill your girlfriend if you don't let go of my boss. He takes the blade away from the boss. (laughs) The henchman guy immediately kills the girlfriend. And then instead of immediately killing the evil Pope, Fassbender tosses the Pope aside, fights the henchman dude and the evil Pope gets away. I don't understand why he didn't just kill him. Other than the narrative determines that he must live? I don't know. I understand that, like, the girl actually kills herself there. Like, she grabs... I get that it's supposed to be a shock moment, but he's still holding the Pope. Like, he's still holding him. Like, he doesn't let go when he gets shocked. He's holding him. And it's a wrist blade that when he turns his hand, it just fires out. I don't understand. I don't understand. Absolutely baffling yeah. film. Is there any other positive things we can find in this? Is there anything that stood out to you guys as, well, that at least made this somewhat worth the amount of my soul I've sacrificed? Oh, man. Oh, thanks for uh, tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, like, no. Like, I think we've covered it because – you know what? I wanted to like the film. I'm a fan of Fastbender. Yes, I'm a agreed. Fan of the series. I wanted to. And before I watched it the first time, I remember being like, okay, I'm going to tamper my expectations because the reviews aren't great, but I never usually pay attention to reviews. One of the rare times I will agree with the Rotten Tomato score of 18% because I'm like, <laughs> Jesus, that's what it felt like. Yeah, yeah I think um, it deserves the that The second score. time watching it. The second time watching it, it had been a long time and my expectations were appropriately lowered because I'd seen the filth before and um, it was worse than I remembered. So Jesus, <laughs> I'm sorry. I got to say, I would I want to say wonderful things about some of these movies, 
this is the type of video game movie, which is why other video game movies don't get made. Yeah. <laughs> like, Agreed. That's the truth. And again, one of those ones where you can tell they all but guarantee themselves a sequel to a point where by the end of the film, most of the major conflicts are not resolved. Jeremy Irons dies yeah. in the most anticlimactic battle I've ever witnessed. Yeah. He's got the Apple of Eden. You find it that I guess Christopher Columbus had it. Sorry for ruining that for everyone, but we've also saved you watching this movie, so you're welcome. Which, but did that kind of seem a little easy to you? Like the, the knowledge that yeah. these scientists have, the as historians, they know everything takes place in Spain. I feel like somebody would have checked. I think in all this time and all they're looking, somebody would have checked Columbus's. Well, it's tomb. funny when it starts yeah. up and it says, you no, know, no. Spain, 1492. Crin's like, oh, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. At the end, she's like, told you I called the end of the movie. Like, you didn't call <laughs> that it was a Columbus's funny. grave. But they probably should have checked it. Now, one question I have, when you're looking at him going back into the past, it's a span of several days between when that past version starts to when you find out Columbus has the Apple of Eden. How do they know when to start the hookup? Does the machine determine it? How come he didn't start 10 years yeah. behind that? It seems incredibly convenient that they hook him up and it's like already just a couple of minutes off from finding the answer. Is a little bit weird? Yeah. And it'd be more convenient, too, if they can actually control it during conversations rather than fight scenes all the time. Because the animus happens to just dump them in an action scene. And it's like, <laughs> man, can't you just find some sort of conversation where people are talking about where right. the apple is? Well, it's, again, that missed opportunity because part of what made Assassin's Creed 2 so good is you actually go through Ezio's journey to become an assassin. Right. So you jump in on Ezio's life at several different points. They should have and could have done that here. They could have yes. jumped in into Aguilar's life when he first becomes an assassin, before he was an assassin, while he's an assassin. Like you could have really developed that aspect of the character. And then you might have cared a little bit when you inevitably know that the character is jumping into the past and is obviously not alive today. So what is his fate? You'd care about his fate a lot more. Absolutely. Again, missed opportunity you know? well i mean there's yeah. a lot of missed opportunities in it like way back to what you guys yeah. were mentioning earlier when you know fastbender was going to be murdered because he'd killed someone he's like i killed a pimp how do we know that the pimp deserved it i'm just gonna play devil's advocate yeah. here what yeah. if it was a good pimp that was yeah. nice to his girls you don't know they just talk about yeah. yeah it feels like one of those shorthands for the audience to go well if he killed a pimp that must mean that he's a good kind of violent so we should root for him versus a bad violent but I yeah. don't know that. Everything else in the movie watching, yeah. he comes across as bad violent. He seems like a villain. Yeah. And yeah. It just seems so weird to throw that in there. I killed a pimp. I don't know. Well, yeah, and I don't Be kind to like, pimps if they're nice pimp. to theirs. Like, <laughs> yeah. They simply, and like, Assassin's pimp or pimp creed. That's what it should uh, but yeah, Pimp Creed. If you're having a conversation with me and you're like, I killed a pimp, I'm probably going to be like, why? <laughs> you what? know, a natural reaction to that statement is, why did you kill him? Right. Yeah, we need more. Like, I just don't understand that. Well, it could have been because I, I saw him hitting someone, or it could have been, well, you know, he got the he last bowl of money. Cheerios at the at the lineup before me and like the buffet. I don't know why yeah. he did it. Saying who that you would killed make means sense, nothing. But saying why you killed yeah. would have established whether or not he was, you know, good, violent, bad, violent, what type whatever of the heck that is. But anyway, yeah. this. Yeah. So at the end of this film, he didn't give me my change. <laughs> At the end of this exactly. film, you have the Apple of Eden in the hands of the bad guys. They have the the genetic code to remove free will. 
And rather than go hide themselves in a laboratory and do anything with it whatsoever, they hold a conference to pat themselves on the back with enough time that the Assassin's <laughs> Guild, who just escaped, can all dress themselves in black, find out where they are, and during the middle of said We're Amazing conference, have Fastbender drop down and slit Jeremy Iron's throat, and then all of these badass Knights Templar scream like a bunch of wimps and run, and run out of there, and that's the end of the movie? <laughs> Like, it's not even a fight. Yeah. The, the Templars and the Creed have been battling all this time, and they have nobody in current day that can even, like, lift a weapon to fight these guys. They just scream and run. Did, I mean, the maybe they lost all the security the guys at the compound. Yes, they're all dead, so now they have no fighters left whatsoever. Just scientists. So I'm saying, there are too many. Maybe. There's too they're, many there. Their head security guy, the guy that was running their security, is in the crowd. It does nothing. Yeah. And I don't understand. The way the angle works when they first introduced Fastbender into that final scene again i thought he was walking through the front door because she looked like she walked out of the front door you can see it in the background and he walks forward and (laughs) And he's pushing through a crowd of people but he's on a stage so who is he pushing through on the crowd and why is the auditorium full of people not being like Hey, that guy's out of place. He's right. approaching. Absolutely baffling. Absolutely I baffling. I don't understand. I thought it was I so funny when Irons gets killed and it cuts to that security guy and he has the cheesiest. <laughs> no. It reminded me of the bad FMV uh, video at the beginning of Resident Evil 1. Uh, oh, jeez. When she's like, Barry. Or, you know, like, oh, it just was so oh. badly acted that part. Yeah. Well, I mean, that basically sums up the whole film. All that build up mm-hmm. for nothing, that sums up the entire experience. I Yeah. This is the first one I can't recommend. Don't watch it. Don't even No, skip it. Don't it's even my second one watch I can't recommend. <laughs> skip past it entirely. It is objectively bad. It is not even bad in a fun way. It and we has tried. the possibility to <laughs> be good. You are much better off, in my opinion, watch a long play of Assassin's Creed 1 or 2, the game, on YouTube, and you will get a better narrative and maybe better action. I don't know. Uh, But that's my opinion. Sounds like you guys agree. Yep. 100%. million percent. So we will conclude (laughs) this one. enough percent that I can agree. But next time when we join up, we will be watching something that could be anything. I know it exists, but I've never watched even a trailer for it. Tekken was made into a live-action film. I can't wait to see if Heihachi's hair is as glorious as it is in the games. (laughs) You've been listening to Press X to Reload. I have been Nick Moore. With me was Wayne Brissett and Mark Athenes. Gentlemen. Thank God this one's over. (laughs) Oh, thank God. (laughs) We thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you again soon. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. You've been listening to Press X to Reload. Today's episode featured the voices of Mark Athenas, Wayne Brissett, and Nick Moore. Our theme music was composed by Jack Fierick and performed and realized by Sam Fierick. If you like what you've heard today, Subscribe and never miss an episode. Or tell a friend, leave a review. We'll take all the bonus XP we can get. If you have suggestions or feedback, you can contact Nick Moore via his email, retrogamingfool at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next stage.